Luke chapter 8, verse 17. If you got it, say, I got it. Here we go. Luke chapter 8, verse 17 says this. For nothing is secret that will not be revealed, nor anything hidden that will not be known and come to the light. Let me read it again. For nothing is secret that will not be revealed, nor anything hidden that will not be known and come to the light. Come on. Let's pray. Everybody say, Jesus, open my ears, open my heart, open my mind to receive of your word. Change me. Challenge me in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen, and amen. Thank you, my man. Appreciate it. Hey, let me ask you a question. Anybody ever been scared of the dark before? Come on, be real. Yeah, don't, yeah, don't lie. We got an honest group of people in here. I'm telling you, the last two nights, God's already worked on your heart. Man, I tell you what, I used to be terrified. I used to be terrified of the dark. And isn't it funny, like, in the middle of your night, in the middle of the night, that your house just seems darker than ever when you get up in the middle of the night and you have to go use the restroom and then you have to venture all the way back to your bed. Isn't it crazy how things just seem to get darker, right? And then, like, you cut on the light, and then when you cut it off, then you definitely can't see anything. You know what I'm talking about? And then... And then you got to make it back to your bed. Anybody, you know what I'm talking about? Come on, like in the dark, and you don't know what's under your bed, right? You don't know what could be living underneath there. And so I know everybody's done it. Everybody's done it. It's, it's pitch dark. It's in the middle of the night. You don't know. You've got to get from here onto your bed, and you don't know what's living underneath your bed. So how many of you have ever pulled one of these numbers? You're like, Lord Jesus, protect me as I go. And you do. Just right in your bed. Come on, don't lie. Don't lie. You know that you have done the run and jump like you're in the Olympics trying to compete, right, to get on your bed because you don't know what's underneath the bed. Let me ask you this question. Hey, why, why when it's dark, why do people start walking slow when it's in the dark? You, you notice this in all the movies, in all the movies, right? Man, if it's dark outside, what do they start doing like? How many of you know that if it's dark and there's something in the dark and you're walking slow, guess who's going to be the first person to go? You are. I can tell you who is not going to be the first person to go. It's going to be me. Why? Because I can run fast and I can run really, really fast. And when it comes to things being in the dark, it is every man for himself. It is not women and children first. It is get gone as fast as you can. Every man for himself. I'm sorry, see you, wouldn't want to be you. Somebody had to be the bait for us all to get away. You know what I'm talking about? It ain't going to be me. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, it ain't going to be me. It ain't going to be me. Something about, something about, something about the, the dark, walking slow in the dark. I don't, anyway. But did you know this? Listen to this. Did you know that there is a thing called photophobia, and photophobia is a fear of the light? Do you know that? You know, anybody this fear the light. I know what you're thinking. You're like, yes, they made a movie about that. It's called Twilight. It's about vampires. It's amazing. I'm not talking about Twilight. 
I'm talking about there are people that are for real afraid of the light. They're just scared. They they don't want to be in the light. You know what? I think as Christians, sometimes we suffer from photophobia. Why? Because we have some things that are hidden away in the dark, and we don't want them to be brought into the light and be exposed. Oh, snap. Starting to get real in this place. We've got things hidden away and tucked away in places so we can come in church and we can play our church game and we can raise our hands and we can lift our hands and we can come and we can shout our pastor and our preacher down and we can get excited in the altars. But when we go home, we've got the little hidden away secret things that are tucked away in the dark that don't nobody know about. So we can just have that side and we've got this side and we put the things in the light that we want in the light and the things that we want in the darkness, we just kind of keep tucked away, hidden away. So no Nobody can see it. We've got a little condition that I like to call in the church photophobia. But, you know, here's the thing is that while we all have things that we are hiding in the dark, we have those secret things, those, those thoughts, those actions, because we've got those things that if somebody else found out about it, we'd probably be humiliated, right? Like all of a sudden, if we just like brought a projector out and we hooked your mind up to a projector and we started playing it up on the screen, you'd be like, hey, hang on. <laughs> this ain't my mind. <laughs> I got hacked. Somebody, that's somebody else's memory. That's his memory. I'm sitting next to him. Somehow his jumped on. I don't even know how it happened, but that's really, I didn't look at that. Come on, y'all. And we'd be terrified, right? But the Bible says that all things, all the secret things will eventually be brought into the open and everything that is concealed will eventually be brought into the light. Because let's be real, right? If your mom was sitting next to you, would you really have gone to that website? Come on. Let's get real. Nancy, now y'all got quiet on me. You're like, oh, shoot. <laughs> He's preaching now, right? And if your dad was sitting next to you, you wouldn't have really sent that text. I meant text. My bad. My bad. My bad. Because let's be real, this is where we are. And if your pastor was with you, you probably wouldn't be getting all hot and heavy in the back seat, right? Let's just go to where we live. Come on, I'm talking to a generation that needs to hear a message like this that that we're not going to pretend. Let's don't play the church game anymore. Come on. Let's don't play the church game anymore. Let's don't show up at Anthem Conference and be one way at Anthem Conference, but then when we had the break from 12 until 7, we live like the devil and like hell all day. But when I come back in the altar, you let me lift it high, and we're dancing, man. We're like, we're one of the praise leaders right up front. But I'm telling you, we have to come to a point to where we pull the things out of the dark and we go, okay, God, shine your light on every area of my life. Here's the funny part. We feel, because maybe you have your pastors fooled, right? Maybe you have your leaders fooled. Maybe you even have your friends and your parents fooled. But can I tell you, there's one person you cannot fool. You can't fool God. I don't know why in the world do we think we can hide things from God. The Bible teaches us that he is all-knowing, that he is everywhere. He sees all things. So why in the world do we feel like we can take things and just, like, hide it from God like he doesn't see? Like, he's not like, uh, I'm not dumb. You have something behind your back. What? Oh, really? God is not dumb. You are not fooling or tricking God. Why do we feel like we can fool or trick God? Joshua chapter 7 tells the story about a man named Achan, right? 
And so God gave clear orders to the army of Israel. He says, look, we're going to destroy this city. After we destroy this city, you are to go in and kill everything, everything. You do not take anything. You lay this city to waste. You lay it barren, and you just walk away. You chunk up the deuces, and you'd be like, my God is awesome. We're out of here. Peace. Let's roll, right? That's what he said do, but instead, watch this. Achan, they go into the city. They've done their thing. Man, they're walking out, and on his way out, he's like, hang on, hang on. Is that a new pair of Yeezys right there? What? Hang on, God. You know I was praying for some Yeezys. Lord, you had to strategically place these in my path as I was on the way. Lord, you wanted me to have these. I know you said don't take anything, but Lord, come on, they're Yeezys. So he picks them up. He puts them in his bag, right? He starts rolling out. And then he looks down. He's like, hang on now. Is that an iPhone 8? How did the, iPhone 8 hadn't even come out yet. How in the world are they going to have iPhone 8 in this city that we destroyed, Lord? You know I wanted one. I had been waiting. My screen was cracked. You knew I was holding out for the iPhone 8. I can barely text or call anybody because I got a tore up, broke down phone. But I was going to get the 8. I was going to join the next program, Lord. So surely you're trying to bless me in Jesus. Ah, thank you, Lord. And so he put it in his bag and he rolled on out and he went back to his hometown. And he lifted up the corner of his tent. The Bible says he dug a hole and he stuck all that stuff in there. And then I believe at night he probably went and dug the stuff up and he was playing on his on his iPhone 8 he was he was playing his games he was probably taking selfies you know he was like doing portrait mode it was awesome I'm telling you it was waterproof he was dipping it in water he was just testing it out I mean he had on his Yeezys he was taking pictures of his Yeezys but he couldn't Instagram it because then people would know they had that anyway he he was he was guilty so the next morning after he's done doing his thing right the leader gets up Moses gets up he says you know what he says uh Somebody did something wrong. He said, Some, somebody stole. And, and, and somebody took when they weren't supposed to take anything from that city. Who was it? I'll give you a chance to come clean. Nobody comes clean, right? So he goes, okay, let's bust you up into tribes. One, two, three, four. He comes over here. He's like, hmm, this tribe has the bishop in it. They're good. They're holy. They're good, right? This tribe right here, it has the youth pastors. They're good, Okay. This tribe over here, it's got the worship leaders, so they're good. But this tribe right here, I don't know. <laughs> there's something, something going on. There's some, there's some sin in this tribe right here, okay? Don't come over here, guys, okay? Sin right, right here in this area. And so then he's like, okay, front row, you guys are good because you're sitting on the front row. People that sit on the front row really love Jesus, right? They're like people in the back row, I don't know, you're questionable, but we're, you're going to sit down. And he's like right here in the middle. He's like, hmm. Man, y'all are sinful people. Um, so he says, this one right here. And so finally he narrows it down to Achan, and Achan is the last one. And he's like, Achan, hey, what did you take? What did you steal? Go get it from your tent and bring it back. And then he looks at Achan, and he says, you know what? Because of your sin, it's not just going to be you that dies, but your whole family is going to die. He said, because of your sin... Because of the stuff that you wanted to take and hide and keep away for yourself. Because of that, your whole family is going to be taken out. And I want you to see something is that when you have sin that you try to hide away, it doesn't just affect you. It affects those around you. I'm telling you, we cannot keep things hidden in the dark. You can't hide your sin from God, nor does he want you to. Let me tell you. Let me watch this. He wants you to bring your sin out and open. 
Because watch this. The Bible says that all things will be brought to the light. What happens when God's light shines on you? I want to ask that question. What happens when God's light shines on you? Do you begin to panic and, and think, oh, my God, I don't, I don't want God to know about this area. Oh, God, I don't want God to know about this, this sin. I don't want God to know about the things I've been looking at. I don't want, want God to know about the things that I've been texting or the things that I've been saying or the things that I've been filling my spirit with. So I'll just try to fake it, and maybe God won't even notice. Maybe he won't even see. I'm telling you, I want a generation that doesn't fake it. I want a generation that's real, that's authentic, a generation that says enough with keeping things hidden away in the dark. I want to love God with my whole heart, with all of my life, not a part of it, not the part that everybody can see, but all of my life. Man, it's time that we get a generation that will rise up with integrity and say, this is who I am. I can invite you into every area of my life. Hey, hey, Pastor Craig, come here right now. Take my iPad. Take my iPhone. Take my computer. Search my history. If I asked you right now to pull up your Netflix queue, how many of you would get nervous? Like, oh, God. Oh, God. Uh, I, I, I gave my friends my login. I promise I don't, I don't know what that movie's all about. I don't, I don't know how that got on there. Yes, you do. Quit lying. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says this. It says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due for the things we have done while in the body, whether good or bad. My friends are going to bring up a little prop here. 2 Corinthians says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due for the things we have done while in the body, whether good, come on, somebody say good or bad. Because, see, we're all going to deal with our junk, right? We're all going to deal, you can just put it right here on, on the front, we're all going to deal with our sin, right? You can deal with it now, or you can deal with it later. You can bring it out in the open right now, and let me, let me just say this, God already knows the sin, God already knows the issue, God already knows the struggle, so why take it to the grave with us? Why do people want to hold on to it and, and wrestle with it and keep it in the quiet and keep it all secretive? And I don't want anybody to know. And I could never confess this to somebody. I could never tell somebody what happened. I could never tell anybody what I did. Nobody will ever understand. And that's the lie that the enemy wants you living in is that nobody else has gone through it. Nobody else has ever done it. Nobody else has ever experienced. But it's a lie. And it's a lie to get you to go all the way to your grave with unconfessed sin in your heart and in your life because you felt like you were the only one. And I'll tell you this, we're going to confess the things that we have done, good and bad. You can either do it now or you can wait until you stand in front of the judgment seat of Christ. I tell you this much, there's grace on this side. When we come to God on this side and we begin to confess the things and we begin to talk to God about it now, when we begin to go, I messed up, I fell short. When we begin to talk to God now, I'm telling you that there's grace. But when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, I can't guarantee you the same thing. Because we have a time. We have a time set out to bring it to God. Watch this now. 
The Bible says in Romans 6, 23, that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Young person, I, I, w- I want you to know this. James 4, 6 says, but he gives grace. But God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Can I tell you that there's so much pride held up on the inside of us when we just won't give things to God? There's so much pride on the inside of us when we think that we can handle it and we can work it out. Therefore, we keep it to ourselves. We keep it in the dark. We keep it unconfessed rather than just giving it over to God and going, God, I know that you can deal with it. God, I know that you can work it out. Why? But there's pride on the inside of us that says, God, I can't give it over to you. God, I'll deal with it. God, I'll figure it out. God, I'll try to find forgiveness somehow. And God is going, I have all the forgiveness that you need. I have all the grace that you need. I have all the mercy that you need, but tonight I want to tell you, you can deal with it now or you can deal with it later, but eventually you're going to have to deal with the things in the dark. Somebody say amen. I don't want to wait. I don't want to wait till it's too late. I don't want to wait until I stand before God. I, I, I don't want to wait till I stand before him and I hear depart for I never knew you. No, I want to deal with it now when I say, God, I've messed up. I've blown it. I need your grace. I need your mercy. Yes, I was hiding things in the dark. Yes, I was hiding things of, in my past and, and I didn't want you to know about it. I was hiding things. But when are we going to come to a place where we go, my life is an open book. God, I already know that you see it. There's no sense in hiding something from someone who knows everything everything. And I'm telling you tonight that God is looking in your heart and he's looking in your life and he's seeing the areas of secret sin and he's seeing the areas that you're trying to keep hidden away and and the things that you don't want your friends and your parents and your pastors and your leaders to know about. All those things that only are are hidden away that you feel like only you see. But here's the deal is that the Bible says that there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Can I tell you that God tonight is not condemning you? You may feel ashamed of the things that you've done, but can I tell you tonight that God is not condemning you? In fact, we are our own worst condemners. We are the one who stand and we point at ourselves and we say, how could you? How could you have messed up? How could you have blown it? You're on the worship team. How could you have done something so terrible? You helped run the media at church. How could you have done something so filthy? How could you have done that? And in ourselves, we begin to condemn ourselves. And I'm not telling you that sin is okay and it's okay to dismiss sin. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is the Bible tells me that there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. So today, if you're in this place and you are in Christ Jesus, quit condemning yourself. Quit beating yourself up. Quit putting yourself down for the sins that have been washed away, for the things that you've been forgiven of. There was a woman, and her name is Jill Price, and she is what you call hyperthymestic. And what this means is that one day a a flip was, a, a switch was flipped in her mind. She began to remember every detail about every day. Some of you think this is great, right? For me, I lose my keys all the time, y'all. 
if, if I had like a dollar for every time I had to call and order a new debit card, I thank God for Apple Pay, right? Because without it, I would be, I would be, I lose my debit card all the time. I misplace my keys all the time. I mean, I'm like, man, this sounds like something amazing. I can remember. She remembers every detail. I have such a terrible time with remembering names. I'm like, man, if I could remember every name of every person I met, I could make you feel so special. I could remember your birthday. I could, I could remember every. You just have to tell me, and boom, it's locked in my mind. Doesn't that sound awesome? Sounds incredible. But she wrote a book, and in this book, she begins to talk about how it's absolute torture to remember every detail of every day. She could tell you at 1010 on January 2nd, 1988, she could tell you what she was doing at that exact time, driving down the road, the song that was playing, the weather conditions. She goes back, and it's literally like it's playing in her mind like a movie. She cannot forget things. It's impossible for her to forget. Seems like a great thing, right? Until you can't forget all of the things that you did and messed up. And she said all of the the fights, the words that I said that hurt other people are just on replay in my memory. And I can't find a way to block those things out, my, my failures, my shortcomings. They just keep replaying. And I feel like some of us, when it comes to failure, we treat ourselves this way, right? Come on, we treat ourselves this way like we beat ourselves up. Man, I can't believe you did that. And it could be a month. It could be a year past the event. And we just keep replaying it over in our mind. Can I tell you something that God has the ability to forget? We say, you know what, There's, God can do anything. God, once you ask for forgiveness, cannot remember your sin anymore. The only time he's going to hear it again is when you're bringing it up before him again. Oh, I feel so bad about it. I feel so bad about it. He's like, what are you, what are you talking about? What did what, you do again? I don't, I'm sorry, I don't remember. And we keep rehearsing these same sins over and over again, beating ourselves up over and over and over again. But I want to tell you that once it's under grace, it's under grace. Move on from it. Quit beating yourself up over it. Quit condemning yourself over it. Because once it's in the light, it's in the light. Because God has the ability. But once we have asked for forgiveness, the Bible says that our sin is covered and he remembers it no more. In fact, I love what the Bible says. It says he takes it and he throws it as far as the east is from the west. Can I tell you, the east and the west will never meet. Look at a compass. It's just impossible. They never meet east and west. Anywhere you go in the world, you can't take, like, the east and, and bring it over here and, like, fold. It's impossible. He takes your sin. He throws it as far as the east. It's from the west. He doesn't remember it. Your sin is gone once it's covered in grace. Why then do we keep condemning ourselves? Now, watch this. I want to show you something about grace tonight. Remember Achan? Remember Achan? He was given the opportunity. He was given the opportunity to come clean. He had the opportunity that as they were narrowing it down from tribe to tribe, maybe even before that hole started to dig it up and, and, and take it and go, you know what, here, I, I'm so sorry. I took this. I should not have taken it. I, I repent. I am so sorry. Please, please. But he didn't do that. What did he do? He held out. And it went through 12 tribes of people, and they narrowed it down all the way to his family. And they're like, you and your whole family is now going to lose its life. 
because you weren't willing to bring it out into the light. And the Bible says that God gives grace to the humble, but he opposes the proud. Did you know that most all fear is really rooted in the fear of death? I'm going to ask that the band would come back. But almost all fear is rooted in the fear of death. Anybody got a fear of heights? Anybody got a fear of heights? You're not really scared of heights, right? You're scared of falling to your death. Let's be real, right? That's the real fear. Number one fear. You know what the number one fear is? Fear of spiders. Anybody got the fear of spiders? Why are you scared of spiders? Because you are afraid that it will sink its little bitty fangs into you and shoot a venom of death through your veins, right? I mean, let's, what about snakes? Anybody hate snakes? Come on. I am with you. It is Satan reincarnate. It is not good. But what are we afraid of? We're really afraid that it's going to like, attached to us and wrap around us and squeeze and choke the light out of us because we saw Hollywood do that, so now we're terrified of it. Almost all fear is rooted really in the fear of death, and it's not the height or the bug or the animal that we fear. It's not the tight space that we fear, but it's actually death that we fear. And I think the reason that we fear death is because we have so many things hidden away in the dark that we don't know where we're going to stand when it comes to judgment day. Are you hearing me? Can I tell you something? Man, I don't fear this box right here. Man, this thing for me, no fear. I don't fear this. You want to know why? Because I know that when they put me in this box and my family's all standing around, don't, it's not a sad day. It is an exciting day for me. Why? Because I'm standing with Jesus. I'm standing with the person that I've dedicated my entire life to. I don't fear this. I'm not scared of death. Because I don't have to be. Because I don't have secret sin hidden away that I don't want anybody to know about. I don't have things that I don't want to talk about. Feel free to look at my search history. Feel free to look at my Netflix queue. Feel free to look at any area of my life. Feel free to look at my text messages or whatever you want to look at. Why? Because I don't have anything to hide. Ask my wife. She's got my password. She'll check anytime she wants. Hop on. Why? You want to know for me? It's accountability. Why? Because I don't have anything. Babe, I don't have anything to hide from you. And can I just tell you something? When you don't have anything to hide, you won't be scared of death. When you don't have anything to hide, you won't be scared of what happens on the other side. I'm not scared. I don't fear death. I don't fear the afterlife. Man, eternity is going to be amazing. Man, I can't, I cannot, man, I cannot wait. I guarantee you this much. How many of y'all have eaten at Sartans? Anybody eaten at Sartans, the little, the barbecue crab place? They're already building the Sartans in heaven right now. I guarantee it. They got barbecue crab the size of your head in heaven. I guarantee it. You don't have to dig in that shell. Do y'all like Sartans? It is like heaven. If you have not been to Sartans, here's some homework. To be saved, you have to go to Sartans, okay? It's just one of those things. 
It, I, I guarantee you when they get to heaven, I'm going to have filet anytime I want filet. Does anybody like filet mignon? Come on. But I'm going to be driving my dream car. Hallelujah. And I don't have to make a monthly payment on it. Come on, somebody say amen to that. I'm already going to have me a house built, debt free. I'm going to be so smart and not owe Sally Mae nothing. Come on. But somebody got, yeah, see, come on. That's what I'm talking about right there. But I don't fear death. And bring it on. The Bible says it this way. It's appointed once a time for man to die. Everybody in this room, we all got one thing in common. One day, one day we're all going to die. You're like, that's so sad. Why are you, what are you, why are you, what are you doing to us? Why are you preaching about this? It's truth, y'all. We're one day, one day we all are, right? All have it in common. Nobody's immune. Nobody gets over that. But we don't really die because when I stand on the other side, man, I've got life and I've got life forevermore. Why? Because I'm just going to live with everything out in the open and go, you know what, God, every sin, everything that I'm going through, Lord, point it out. And this is my prayer tonight. This is my prayer tonight. Is that with an open heart, we would say, God, search me. And some of you already know, okay? Some of you already know. Some of you already are like, oh, shoot. Lord, I got stuff hidden in my room that I'm going to have to go up. I'm going to have to throw it out. I'm going to have to get rid of it. Some of you already like, well, some of you probably already deleted text messages, right? Because you thought you were about to be in one of them services where the pastor started calling people out. And he was like, hey, you, come here right now. I'm about to tell everything that you've been going through. No, sit down. I'm kidding. I'm about to tell you everything that you've done wrong. Have anybody ever been in one of them services? I know, Bishop, I know you have. I'm like, the pastor, he just starts calling people out, and you start sinking down in your seat. Like, oh, I'm sorry, God, I didn't, I didn't. But tonight, my prayer is, I don't even want to get to a point where, where somebody's got to call me out openly in public, but that God can simply come by and kind of knock on my heart. And when he knocks on my heart and goes, hey, you need to get this area of your right life right, that what I do is I simply lay my life down and surrender, that I simply hit my knees because God says that he gives grace to the humble, but he opposes the proud. So tonight you can do one of two things. Tonight you can sit back and be like, no, nah, man, I'm cool. I got everything together. Nah, man, I'm, I'm, God ain't saying nothing to me. Everything in my life is good. Or you can just, maybe everything in your life is good. But maybe you just throw your hands up and you just go, God, shine your light on my heart. God, show me areas because I want to be more like you. God, I want to be holy. God, I want to be righteous. God, I want you to purify me. And there's a place that we come, man, where I'm telling you, if you, will just, if you will just throw your hands up to God and say, shine your light on my heart, can I tell you that he will pour grace out on you. And then you can live a fear-free life because you don't fear this. You don't fear this day. You don't fear what's on the other side because you know the God of grace and mercy. Come on, why don't you stand up on your feet? Man, I feel God in this place tonight. 
And God, I feel your grace. Jesus. God, we need you tonight. Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. God, you're here. Come on, can we just start worshiping for a second? We love you, Jesus. God, we worship you, Jesus. Thank you, God. God, we need you. God, we need you. God, we need you. Jesus. Lord, we need your grace. God, we need your mercy. something different. A lot of times I'll do a big altar call where I'm one, two, three, God. Tonight I want to do something different. God is dealing with young people in this place. Man, I feel it so strong right now. So what I want you to do is if God is dealing with you right now, and there's things that you need to leave at the altar. There's areas that you need to open up and expose to God. What I want to do is I want to open this area up. I'm just going to ask for a moment that you just come. It's not going to be the hype. Ah, Let's go, let's go, let's go. We might get there, right? We might get there. But we need moments, and this generation definitely needs moments to where we just simply come and we just kneel and we just say, God, do your work in me. God, do your work in me. Lord, do spiritual surgery on my heart right now. Come on. Young person, who are you? God, I need you to touch my heart. God, I need to lay some things down before you. Who are you? Come on. Who's going to be the first one to come? Who's going to be the first one to take those bold steps? Jesus, I need you. God, we make this place an altar. We make this place an altar, Jesus. Lord, we lay it down before you, God. Lord, we open up the areas of our hearts and our lives. God, we open up our Instagram accounts and Twitter accounts, God. And and Lord, we open up our our search histories, God. And and we open up, God, even our secret private conversations, God. And we, we open up our relationships to you right now, God. We ask you just to shine your heart, Jesus. Shine, shine your light on our heart, Jesus. We need you, God. Come on, right here in this altar, just begin to talk to him. Come on, begin to talk to him. Begin to confess some things. Come on, begin to repent some things. Not just ask for forgiveness, but repent. Come on, turn from it right now. Leave these things in the altar tonight. Come on, talk to him right now. Come on, don't don't be afraid of who's on your left and right. Come on, open your mouth right now and talk to him. God, I repent. God, I'm sorry. Lord, I turn from it. God, I turn back to you, Lord Jesus. God, I turn back to you, Lord. You already know it. I don't know why I'm trying to hide it. So, God, I'm laying it out before you. And I'm asking that you would touch it, God. And I'm asking that you would cover it, God. And I'm asking for your grace, God, that I wouldn't remember it anymore. That I wouldn't go back to it again. But, God, it's staying here right now at the altar, covered in grace. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Mercy is for Jesus.
Stop your hand. 